Well, uh, a big shout-out to our friends at Turo College, and I say it like that because you know that we have an expression that we created here. Uh, Real classes, real courses, real degrees, real jobs. (laughs) That's what... Uh, we, that's one of the things we keep emphasizing every time a representative of Turo comes on the air because uh, there are many shortcuts out there that end up being a uh, long route to a faraway destination. When you do it the right way, and uh, everybody out there who are everyone's who's, who everyone out there who is a student, everyone out there who's a parent of a student has to keep this in mind. When you do it with a real course of study, with real professors, real departments, real classes, real courses. You end up with a real degree and with a real job, and usually a job that's much better than if you would have gone um, the shortcut route. Uh, Dr. Faye Walkenfeld is with us live via telephone, Chair of Behavioral Sciences at Turo. We'll be on the faculty of the brand new PsyD program at Turo. We have a uh, an announcement that on November the 30th, on November the 30th, starting at 7 p.m., that's Tuesday night, this coming Tuesday night, starting at 7 p.m., there'll be a virtual open house to learn more about the brand new PsyD program in clinical psychology starting in the fall of 2022 at Turo College. Dr. Faye Wolkenfeld, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here again. Um, For those of us who don't know, could you explain what PsyD is? So PsyD is a doctoral degree in psychology. Um, It's more clinical it has a more clinical focus than a PhD, which is more um, scholarly and research-related. Um, it is. It, it does involve scholar, scholarship. Um, they, they do. They, students do learn research, but there's a very strong focus on clinical learning as well. So, is this uh, is this um, uh, uh, open house about the brand new PsyD program? Is this something that's open to uh, graduate students, master's program students, undergrads? Who should be thinking about PsyD down the road? For the most part, people coming from um, a master's program, but people, we will accept people who, who come from a bachelor's program if they have a very strong background. Um, but uh, we're looking for people who have um, a, a solid academic um, background as well as some clinical experience. So usually people who've done a master's have more of that, um, but if someone's has a BA, a very strong academic background, and also um, has some good practice, some good volunteer, you know, a couple years volunteering um, or working in a clinical place that would be looked at well as well. Uh, I would imagine that uh, someone who, in fact, will end up with a and, and will uh, uh, graduate with the degree, the PsyD degree, which uh, seems pretty prominent, frankly, um, will have an ability to help people. Um, in a uh, in a more enhanced fashion, I guess, than somebody uh, with a lesser degree in this area. Would that be safe to say? Well, the scope of practice is different. So, for example, we have a clinical mental health counseling program, which is a master's program, um, and it's a very strong program. But it's, the scope of practice is very different than for a psychologist. So people have to look at the two fields and see which one they would want to go into. Um, it, it's definitely... It's, you learn more in a PsyD program. It's longer, um, but it depends on what people's goals are. And this is sort of a, uh, I mean, th- this is, uh, I guess, pretty obvious, but we, we, we are more closely now in this era uh, associating a mental health uh, with actual medicine. The physical and the mental, I think, I think continuously through the decades has just gotten closer and closer together, both for the layperson and for the professional, right? 
That's absolutely true. It's, it's, I mean, it, it especially, it, it's been, it's interesting because um, Dr. Frank Gardner, who's the director of the PsyD program, when he joined um, Turo, he used to talk to me about the, in, about the clinical mental health counseling program and say, you know, we need to bring more health emphasis into the field. And he was so right. And we were, we were starting to do that. And then COVID-19 kind of exploded everything because it became so clear um, as people were being more isolated and as hospitals were not allowing visitors in, people were dying on their own, and families were suffering the trauma of that kind of after effect. Because it's not just the sadness of the person dying alone, but the family deals with trauma after that that's unresolved. It became so clear that there is a lack of understanding of mental health in the medical field, and that really needs to come in very strongly. And if the medical field in general would have appreciated that more, they probably would have changed some of the practices regarding people who are hospitalized with serious COVID cases? 100%. There's a lot of research coming out now saying that right before this happened, they became aware that you know, they, they were looking at how to deal with, you know, very severe flu cases and whether, and they, hospitals were starting to allow visitors in even into the ICU more because they were realizing that family makes a very big difference in terms of the outcome of someone who's very ill because they're there to help with emotional support when the nurses can't be there, you mm-hmm. know, and they're there to help with making sure feeding is happening. They're, they're there to help with all sorts of things. They're advocates. That, yeah, they're advocates, exactly. How sad that we have to learn this lesson this way, huh? Very, very sad. Certainly very sad, sad for those families that suffered the way they did. And, you know, it's funny, on the notes for this morning's conversation, it says about people being feeling abandoned by family members. Most of mm-hmm. the people, obviously, obviously, the people who passed away from COVID just before passing were in a very, very serious medical situation. Obviously, that's what caused their demise. Uh, but even under those circumstances, chances are they felt that sense. I don't want to say abandonment, God forbid, but that sense mm-hmm. of abandonment. And boy, is that sad as you think about uh, what they went through during that period. Yeah, it's it's, it's very sad. Dr. Faye Walkenfeld is with us, Chair of Behavioral Sciences at Turo. The brand-new PsyD program starts in the fall. The virtual open house is this coming Tuesday night. Information on the Turo website, of course, and she'll be part of the faculty in the new uh, PsyD program. Um, there are other things that uh, we've learned from, uh, uh, from COVID-19, and that was the stress that it caused and the mental health challenges for healthcare workers in general, even those who were healthy and trying to provide assistance to those who may not have been, they were going through a terrible ordeal. What are some of the things we learned about that experience during COVID-19? So we've learned that, I mean, we've learned that, that medical workers are afraid to claim that they might need some mental health support. Wow. They're afraid they're going to lose their jobs. And so we, we have a number of nurses and doctors who committed suicide because they'd rather, they, they went for that rather than looking for help. And that's really very sad. And, you know, when we say the families weren't there, well, who was there? It was the frontline workers. And they ended up having to fill in for family. And they, they, they were very torn. They weren't, it, it's, the, the, the fallout is still happening. I have a colleague, actually our director of the clinical mental health counseling program is part of what's called the Emotional PPE Project. Oh, they, which um, helps, they, they give uh, services for free to frontline workers, to the healthcare workers. And she's, she says she's, the doctors and nurses are suffering. They are still suffering from that. You know, I remember some of the interviews we saw during COVID of nurses who, you know, b- became heroes because they were sticking by the side or standing by the side of that victim 
uh, in place of the family, and and they would break down. They would break down uh, emotionally on TV every time they told the story in, in every one of these situations. Mm-hmm. And and now you know why, of course, because they were you know this was such a burden, such a terrible, um, a, a, a terrible burden that they had to undertake on behalf of uh, the loved ones of those who were passing. Um, right. Just unbelievable. Uh, Dr. Faye Walkenfeld is with us. All right, so. Um, is it possible that people who are clinically depressed and people who did suffer from some type of mental uh, illness had more of a uh, of a possibility of dying of COVID because of those comorbidities? We always talk about comorbidities in terms of respiration, in terms of uh, uh, a lack of immunity, physical immunity that people may have had going into this whole pandemic. Is it possible that those who had suffered from depression and other mental illness also were considered to have comorbidities. Yeah, it was, the research is showing that actually they were at about the same risk as people. We said we knew people with diabetes were at risk, people right. with liver disease, were, and they're finding that people with severe mental health issues um, were also at that same level of risk. And they may have also had, we're still not 100% sure, but some of the Reasons have been given as impaired immune response. Um, they're also predisposed to chronic disease. People who have these comorbidities, people who have a depression and anxiety, are also usually suffering from other things. Um, and they're also more prone towards substance abuse. And so, you know, if the people who are dealing with depression, anxiety, and, and ADHD, severe bipolar and ADHD, are also usually not always, but often using substances, right. and um, that's also impairing their 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 health. And and, and there's, uh, I just want to say one more sure. thing. There's also less of an ability to comply with public health measures. So if they're having, if they're impulsive and they're depressed and anxious, they're also less likely to necessarily comply with with other measures. Right. They're not going to be diligent about following the rules. Let's put it that way. Right. And that, mm-hmm. of course, leads to you know other uh, problems through uh, lax behavior. Um, it, it, not to overload or overburden this audience with, with even more situations, but one of the ones that um, uh, was sent to me in advance of this conversation was when people go through physical danger, when people go through whether it's a car accident or otherwise, uh, and they now are, you know they need rehab, they they need to rehab their leg, their back, their arm, or whatever it is that you know needs to be. I mean, everyone knows what physical rehabilitation is all about, but we forget that there is a psychological rehabilitation that needs to be set up upon discharge from the hospital. And people can fall into a bad place in terms of mental illness. I would think just the opposite, that as someone is progressing physically, it only enhances their mental state. But I guess you would suggest and other professionals would suggest that sometimes it's the opposite. It is Well, you have to realize that people who have suffered from an accident or something, there's a loss of life. There's a loss of a part of who they were, right? Because they're, they're losing time. They had these goals. They're going to accomplish certain things. And all of a sudden, they're stuck with a broken leg. They're stuck with, could be worse, they're stuck with a TBI. I mean, there are all sorts of things that they could be stuck with that are limiting their ability to accomplish where they thought they were supposed to be going. Their trajectory in life is now shifted. And they have to adjust to that. They have to accept it, and they have to figure out how to move on with that. And they can get depressed. They can get anxious. There are lots of um, – there's a fallout from that. They need support. And um, one of the things that, uh, uh, that was noted, uh, again, as I prepared for this, was the Alzheimer's patients. I never realized that uh, there is a stage, obviously, where a patient uh, knows that their dementia is setting in. And I, I can't even 
begin to comprehend what that must be like, knowing that 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 one of the most important faculties, one's own memory, one's one's own ability to communicate, to recognize, etc., is waning. Um, right. So I guess patients who are suffering in that way are going through a similar experience in terms of depression. Terrible depression. That's. Uh, uh, sinks in right there because they, they see they're losing their faculties and it's very, very difficult to deal with that. So then there are some who, I mean, what we hope is that people will be proactive, right? So, and it's very hard to be proactive because what you're basically saying is you're agreeing, I'm, I'm losing it. Right. Um, and that's hard to do, but I think that with the right support, we can, you know, we can get people there. There are people who take measures beforehand. They once they see it's happening, They'll make a living will that supports what they, what you know, what they want. They'll right. they'll do certain things, and then there are others who are in denial. And how do we deal with the personality differences? How do we get the people who are in denial to actually maybe be a little more healthy um, about how to deal with what they want for end of life, and well, et cetera? As depressing as this is for an early morning conversation, I can only <laughs> imagine how much help people are going to get because these issues are raised. And we in our community need to know about it. Uh, those of you who are uh, inclined to help people uh, who are in these situations and to uh, and to enhance their lives as they go through all of this, there is a side D program that has been announced uh, by Turo. The virtual open house is this coming Tuesday night, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you're interested in the side D program, or if you're interested in the MS and mental health counseling, you should attend the virtual open house. On December the 9th, that's coming up on December the 9th, starting at 7 p.m. So the PsyD program you um, uh, you uh, outlined for us, the MS and mental health counseling, again, these are really important degrees, as we always say. Uh, you know, when you go through a real course of study like this, it only, um, it, it only puts more tools in the toolbox of what you could do to help people down the road. you want to give us a word on the mental health counseling MS? So the mental health counseling MS um, is specifically for people who are really are interested in counseling. Um, and uh, it's, we've been very successful in the last few years. We've really built up the program. It's, it's very strong. We have uh, successful students who are going out there. It's a two- to three-year program. Um, so if people just want to do counseling and, and, uh, and that's their passion, it's, it's a good start, it, and it, it's a good way to get yourself into the field. And boy, based on this conversation, the counseling is really needed out there, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, information, you can go to shs.turo.edu slash events. Again, shs.turo.edu slash events. Both the PsyD program virtual open house for November the 30th and the MS and mental health counseling virtual open house happening on December the 9th are both up there in addition to other events um, a full listing of upcoming open houses in a lot of different areas of interest brought to you by our friends at Turo. Dr. Faye Wolkenfeld, anything you'd like to add? No, I, I just, I guess I just want to add one more thing. Sure. People should be aware the PsyD program is a very full-time four to five-year program, wow. and they're, they're going to get a lot of good skills out of that. Yeah. But they have to be aware that it's a real commitment. So sometimes the real courses and the real classes that we talk about are real courses and yes. classes, four to five years and very intense. Well, look, I mean, if one's going to get a degree like that and then, you know, have a tremendous influence in that field down the road, they've got to put the work in. It's as simple as that. So that, Absolutely. that should be no surprise to anybody. Uh, thanks so much for joining us this morning. And a very happy Hanukkah to you and everybody at Turo. Thank you. Likewise to you. Take Doc care. Dr. Faye Walkenfeld, Chair of Behavioral Sciences 
uh, an associate professor of the Department of Behavioral Science at Turos College School of uh, Health Sciences. Don't forget the PsyD program that we were talking about has an open house on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, starting at 7 p.m. The MS and Mental Health Counseling is a virtual open house December the 9th, starting at 7 p.m. Go to shs.turo.edu slash events, shs.turo.edu slash events. More coming up. You are listening to a... uh, Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM.